In fact, what is the name of our youth group? Who knows? The Refuge. I've got candy for questions. Yes, it is the refuge. Who knows where this comes from? Yes, a Bible verse. More specific. More specific without blurting things out. Have me call on you. What you got? Mm-mm. Nope. You, you're correcting me on the name of the youth group and where it came from. <laughs> Anyone else know? That does say refuge, but that's not the specific verse. But yes, I'll give you one more. It does come from the Bible, obviously. There is one specific verse in particular in Psalms that it comes from. It's a pretty well-known verse and memorized. I'm waiting for a youth to raise their hand. Nope. Okay, Luke, what you got? Nope. There you go. Jordan, I'll give you one too, just for being new. <laughs> 91 is, has it in there too, but it is not from there that the name of the youth group comes from. So, about six years ago, the name of the ministry was called The Refuge, and this was done by Michelle, who was here for about a year to serve as a youth pastor. And she felt like the Lord was telling her there was time for some change and to change the name of the ministry. And when I got here, I didn't feel like I was supposed to change the name of the ministry. Which, for one, it was already changed like a year before I got here. But it's fitting. I think it's appropriate. I think it's what God wants. The Refuge, if you don't know the verse, 46.1, I will read it to you. Um, Can you put it up there, Josh? I'm going to have us read it together. Psalm 46 1. 46.1, not the other one. Yep. Is it up there? All right, let's say it together. Ready? Go. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Yes. How many of you know that trouble has a way of showing up in our life from time to time? Yes? No? You guys ever experienced any trouble? Don't be looking at your your neighbor or your sibling. (laughs) It has a tendency to come into our life. And Jesus even said that it was going to happen. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. You'll have tribulation. You're going to have difficulties. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's the whole focus of the name The Refuge. This place is supposed to be, in some ways, a refuge for you. But really, it's to show you the greater, true refuge which is in Jesus. There's no refuge found outside of him. And I'll get into this more, but that's where the premise of this name comes from. Jesus is our refuge. What are you guys doing? (laughs) Weirdos. How many of you know that sometimes we need some help when there's trouble? Anyone? Not only is trouble going to come, but you could use some help when it happens, right? (laughs) How many of you have tried to solve a problem by yourself and it didn't go so awesome? John? Every time John tries it, he is clearly not an appliance man. (laughs) 
He needs to call him Bowman Appliances or somebody. <laughs> or Jesus. Yeah, sure. But the word refuge, here's a question for some candy. How many times do you think, in the NIV translation specifically, the word refuge shows up in the Bible? What you got? No. You're a little close. Go down from there. How many times does the word refuge show up in the Bible? We'll go with Benjamin. Benji, what you got? 65, it's more than that. I'll take, oops, sorry, bad throw. I'll take two more. Maddie? 102. Closer, but not quite. Maddie? Older writer. I said down from her answer, which was like 100 and something, <laughs> 115. So no, it's lower than that. No, it, uh, no, no. All right, I got the answer for you. Hey, you guys want to hear the answer? <laughs> if you want to hear the answer, settle down. It shows up 96 times. 96 times. Yes. You were pretty close. Yeah. No, that's great. You said 92? You would have won if it was, you know, uh, Price is Right. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> All right. Listen up. Listen up. Here's why I say this. It shows up 96 times. 44 of those times. Listen. Hey. Not 92, 96. Listen. 44 of those times are in the book of Psalms alone. It's nearly half of its occurrence. This is why there's a reference to this that comes from Psalms for our ministry. It shows up a lot, and nearly every single one of them is saying refuge is found in God alone. God is your refuge. If he's not your refuge, you don't have one. <laughs> That's really the truth of it. If you don't go to God as your refuge, you really don't have one. It's like, I was thinking about it, and I felt like God gave me this imagery of the three little pigs. <laughs> Trying to build a refuge and have something else as your refuge other than God is like having straw or sticks for your house. What happened to the pigs? Her house didn't stand. It was, it was a problem, right? Yes. The only thing that's really, truly going to stand storms and trials in life is going to be the Lord. It shows up 44 times in the Psalms. One of those, like I said, is Psalms 46.1. Now, the passage I'm specifically going to be reading out of is where we posted tonight. It's from Psalm 16. If you guys want to go there in your Bibles, I know some of you have one now. So there you go. <laughs> You got enough candy. <laughs> uh huh. That's why you were bringing it up, so that they would get candy, huh? Take care of your Bible. <laughs> Psalm 16. So let me read this here. I'm going to read it in its entirety first. It's just 11, 11 verses. Okay. 
And the specific translation I'm reading out of today is the NIV. So it says, Psalm 16, a miktam of David. It's probably just some song notation explanation of what type of song it was, which we don't know anymore. So it says, starting verse 1, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Everyone say refuge. In you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say to the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You guys behaved very well. Thank you. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that David wrote this psalm for us to learn from, to understand your heart, to understand who you are, and understand who we need to have you be in our life, which is Lord, which is a refuge. It's not found anywhere else, security. Security is only in you. Thank you so much for your word. God, I just pray that we'd understand it a little bit more tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone say amen. It starts out with this. You can put the first verse up there, Josh. I'm going to be going through this. It's a little different than I usually go through a sermon for you guys. I'm going to go through this verse by verse. I want you guys to see what this psalm says. It's really, really powerful. And when I read this psalm, I'm like, yes, that's the one. That is the one we're starting the new year off with. I felt like there was no more fitting way to talk about a ministry called The Refuge than doing a series on God as my refuge. I've never actually done a series on this, and we've been here for five years now with this name as our ministry. Who knows, maybe Michelle did one when she started it. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> but here it says, keep me safe, my God. That's what the first verse says. Let's read it together. On three, one, two, three. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. This is the whole focus of the entire psalm. This is what it's all about. You read this, and everything that follows after it is all about God is my refuge. He is the one that keeps me safe. There's no safety found anywhere else but in him. And if I try to find safety elsewhere, it doesn't work. How many of you know that the hard way? We all should. Everyone should know to a degree that trying to find refuge elsewhere is not going to work. So that's the whole reason why Jesus came is because we needed a Savior. 
We needed somebody to be our safety and to save us and be our protection and our security. Without him coming, we were hopeless to have refuge in this world. You see throughout the Psalms, this picture of God as a refuge, and it is a declaration of dependence on God, saying, God, I need you. How many went to Desperation Conference during the summertime? The name Desperation is there, and it's a description of us as people. We need to be dependent, and even more so, a sense of desperation for God in our life. If you didn't have that last year in 2022, how did it go for you? How did your year go? Looking to find answers outside of the Lord, because it doesn't amount to anything. I know for myself, there was a situation I had. It wasn't this last year, but it was a few years back. Luella was on the way of being born. We were terrified to be parents. (laughs) Like, what in the world are we getting into? (laughs) I still had college left. I had had like almost two years left. And I'm about to be a dad. Caitlin's going to have to go home to take care of the kid at home for a little bit because... The job that she had was not enough to really make it sensible for her to go to work anymore. Every single paycheck she had was just going to go towards childcare. So it was like, Lord, we need your help because we're not going to have somebody else raise our kids for us and just send them to daycare every single day. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with daycare, okay? But as new parents, we were like, we knew we needed to be in her life. And so we're like, Lord, I need to find a job, and I needed a full-time job, one that would pay enough, and that would have enough hours in it with my college schedule, and every single person I came across, I did interview after interview, trying to find an answer, looking for the job that we needed me to have at the time, because I was a full-time student, too. I had 18 credits to my name (laughs) every semester, and if you don't know what that is yet, you'll find out. (laughs) It'll hit you like a ton of bricks. So, here's the situation. Needed a job. Needed one that would work with a college schedule, which was not a typical necessary nine-to-five job because I had classes to go to, right? Every interview I had, they're like, yeah, I think it went really well. We'll call you later. And then I get that dreaded email that says, we regret to inform you that we're going a different direction. We have decided to pursue somebody else for this position. And I got so fed up, emails. <laughs> I got quite a few of them. And I got so fed up, I got so frustrated. I was in a place of trouble. I said, God, I, I need an answer. What should I do? <laughs> I was in desperation. And I said, Lord, I am not going to be able to do this if you don't pull through for me. I need an answer. And he said, go online and post on Facebook that you need a job. I was like, I don't want to be that guy. That's lame. It sounds like I'm desperate. He's like, well, are you? (laughs) Yes, I was desperate. (laughs) So I said, fine, okay, I'll do it. It was humiliating. I had to choose humility. I had to choose to be humble instead of be prideful and say, I don't need to be that guy. I don't need to be crying, asking for help from all my friends. But I did it anyway. Because I knew God wanted me to. I felt like Peter when God told him, throw the net on the other side. And I'm like, 
I've been fishing all day. Is that really going to help me? But fine, I guess I will. Well, pretty much immediately, one of my friends contacted me, who I hadn't talked to in like probably two years. I had one class with him, and it was my first semester in college. One class with him, and that was it. After that, he left the school (laughs) to go to a community college. And he reached out to me, and he said, hey, I got something for you. Give me a call. And I was, okay, what you got? And I, I mean, I let him know everything that I needed in the message on Facebook. And he's like, I have exactly what you're looking for. God knows what we need. Amen? I was looking and looking and looking and getting so stressed out, bent out of shape, not finding anything, wasting time, doing stupid interviews that amounted to nothing. (laughs) And then I just finally decided to, you know, go to God (laughs) and ask him what he wanted me to do. I should have started there, right? But how often do we do that? Throughout Scripture, we're supposed to, it's told that God is a refuge. He is the place of safety for you. He's the one that's going to take care of you. He is the one we should run to in trouble. It says it right here. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Verse 2, it brings into this perspective a life apart from God. It says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. You're my Lord. Apart from you, I have what? No good thing. There's nothing good for me outside of you. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of my effort. It's a waste of my energy. It's a waste of my resources, whatever those might be. There's nothing good found outside of God. When you're trying to look for something, when you're trying to get something, get somewhere in your life, if you do it without God, it's not going to amount to anything. One way of saying this verse is, God, you are my good. It's not just saying there's nothing good outside of you. It's saying there's nothing good except for you. You are good, and anything good comes from you. That's what it says in the New Testament. Any good thing comes from God. Apart from him, there's nothing good. There are so many places we can run to when we face a problem. Some of you guys may have done it recently. We can run to something just to cope with the pain. And you guys know there's, there's the big stuff. There's drugs. There's alcohol. There's sex. There's all these different things we can run to. Yes, I said sex. But there's so many things in this world now. There, there is no shortage of idols in the world today. In fact, there's just more and more that are built and created every single day. And an idol... I'm not necessarily talking about just a physical statue. There's not as much of that that happens, at least here in America anywhere. (laughs) But there's an idol is really anything that you worship that's not the creator. It's something that's created. Some people worship their phone. (laughs) Some people worship their social status. How many followers they have. Some people worship money. It doesn't take long to find out somebody like that. Some people worship themselves. <laughs> Have you ever met a narcissist? <laughs> Hopefully not. They're not fun. <laughs> but 
There's no shortage of things to run to in this world. But verse 2 tells us that when we face trouble, there is only one place that you can really truly run to that's going to take care of you. There's only one place you can run to that's really going to be truly good for you, good to you, and good with you. And you might think, no, that's not true. I've, I've had help in these other areas. It doesn't take long for the thing that was maybe helping you to end up actually become a problem for you. Just ask a drug addict. <laughs> they think, yeah, this was really helping me. It was just giving me a high that I needed. It was the rush I was looking for. And then it consumes them. You can look at social media. Social media can be great help. And then it can totally take over your life. If you don't know Lecrae's story, he is somebody that, that happened to him. It ended up taking over him this connection to social media and, and having to argue his way all the time and be right all the time. It ended up consuming him, and he had to repent for it. It, it caused a great downward spiral for him. But like I said, there's only one place that is truly good we can run to. Verse 3 tells us one way that we can do this, running to God. And this, this specific verse I find really, really interesting in this psalm. Because it almost seems out of place. It's like, why are we talking about, like, we're not talking about God anymore. We're talking about his people, his followers, holy people. That's what it's talking about. So it's saying other people that take their delight in the Lord and make him their refuge. It says, I say of the holy people who are in the land. This is what David's saying about them. He says, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. You look throughout the Psalms and you see, the Lord is my delight. That's what our delight is supposed to be, right? But in reading this, it's describing and explaining a relationship when we're going through trouble, when we're going through hard times. We don't go to people whose delight is not in the Lord, and get refuge. It won't work, because they're going to give you the refuge that they've created, which doesn't solve your problem. You need to go to somebody else who says, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my security. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And when you go to those people with your problem, what do they do? They bring you to the Lord. They give you the word of God and say, here is what I think you need. In fact, it's what I know you need. They'll share scripture with you. They'll pray with you. They'll exhort you. They'll build you up, encourage you, correct you if you need it. <laughs> say, yeah, that was a really dumb thing that you did. I'm not surprised you're in this trouble. <laughs> but here's how you get out of it. <laughs> and they're with you through that. This is the type of person that David's talking about. David needed this in his life. There were times that he got himself into trouble. <laughs> sometimes it was his fault. Sometimes it wasn't. But when it was his fault, he'd go to people that helped him. He went to the prophet Nathan. In fact, Nathan came to him, actually. <laughs> but he welcomed his correction into his life. He even welcomed the correction of people that were shouting things at him that put him down just in the street. He's walking through the street, and this guy's yelling at him, cursing him, and saying he's just a terrible person. And he says, no, the Lord might have this person here to make me humble. 
to keep my head straight and on track. That's a different level of refuge. <laughs> well, that's what he did. He saw God as his refuge, and he knew one way to have that presence in his life was to have the influence of holy, godly people around him instead of the influence of stupid people. <laughs> How many of you know some stupid people? <laughs> Hopefully you're not looking at your neighbors. <laughs> but going to those who are holy ones to take delight in and not running to people that will lead you astray who don't know God is a big deal for you guys. You need this in your life. I see it all the time. I see you guys trying to help each other with the problems that you yourself are guilty of, that you don't know how to solve. It's not going to work in your favor. You don't run to someone who doesn't also take refuge in the Lord. You go to the advice of the stupid people in your life which honestly is some of your friends. I mean, I'm just going to be honest about it. Let me ask you, how good would the world go if it was nothing but teenagers running it? <laughs> it would be a mess, right? That's, that is a good description. Messier than a teenager's bedroom. And it's a teenager saying that. He knows precisely his problem. Who do you run to when you're facing problems? Is it your friends who are just as stupid as you are? Or is it to the Lord? Or is it to people that you know have the answer and it might hurt to hear it? But it's exactly what you need. It's really actually going to help you. Versus your friends that just say, you know what? Screw that teacher. They're terrible. They're the worst. I hate them too. Do you think that's the right answer? Would God tell you that? <laughs> no, he would not. In fact, he even told Peter, honor the emperor who's literally murdering Christians right now. <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> Last time I checked, none of you have been tried to be killed by your teacher. <laughs> but is... Is the person you run to, your friends, who really have the same problem you do? Or is it somebody who can see clearly? It's this idea of blind leading the blind. How good is that going to work for you? If you go to your blind friends to guide you and lead you. Yeah, sure, come this way. I think I'm supposed to go that direction. <laughs> Exactly. How do they know the directions if they're blind? I like this guy. <laughs> Who do you run to when you face a problem? A blind leading the blind. It's not going to work. It'll end, inevitably end up in your destruction. It's not going to work in your favor. You want safety. You want protection. You want real, true guidance and help for you. It says in Scripture in another psalm, the Lord... Is a, his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. He's the one that's going to get you through the darkness. That's right. He's going to be the light that you need to get through the darkness. Blind leading the blind will inevitably end in your destruction. 
Let me go to the next verse, verse four. Verse four tells us what's resulting in running to something other than God to be your refuge. You guys think it's going to go well? No. So it says, those who run after other gods will suffer what? More and more. Do you guys like suffering? No? You don't like suffering, right? Unless you're psycho, then you might like suffering. (laughs) There's unfortunately a horrible psychotic condition. (laughs) (laughs) Suffering is terrible. I think everyone generally agrees on that. So if you knew how to not cause more and more, don't you think that you would do that? Right? It says those who run after other gods, other idols, really anything you run to other than God is an idol in your life. It says those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations. This is what David's saying. He's talking about ritual practices that would happen in a temple of making a sacrifice to a god. He's saying, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to worship anyone else. I'm not going to pour out libations of blood to such gods. We're told in the Old Testament that they would pour out an offering on the altar. They would pour the blood of the offering out on the altar. That's what they would do. And they're told, do not make sacrifices to other gods. Because it is saying that you can have salvation come from them for you. And it's not going to work. They're actually just going to bring you more suffering. I will not take up their names on my lips, it says. Now let's do the next verse here too. Yes, this is very true. We got some discussion time afterwards, so bring these things up at the end, okay? In verse 4, like I said, running after other gods to be a refuge. You're just going to suffer more and more. It's not going to work out for you. You guys remember the story I told you about me trying to get this job? And I was trying to figure out the answer myself. (laughs) I decided to go look for all of these jobs everywhere. Instead of just going in prayer the first time, I'm like, gosh, kid's on the way. I need to change my job. Caitlin's not going to be able to work anymore for a little bit. So I'm going to have to work. And I'm going to have to get a job that pays better, has more hours, because we need one income. So instead of just going in prayer and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I trust you. Just guide me. Let me know what I am to do. I just prayed for every job that it would be the job that I get. (laughs) I went to these interviews. I'm like, God, give me a favorable answer. Give me a favorable reply. Instead of just saying, God, where do you want me to go? What job do you have for me? What is it I need? I wasted so much time. Guys, I suffered more and more because I made something else be the answer for me instead of God. Instead of the truth of his word, instead of me just going to him in prayer. Guys, I would have saved so much time and so much stress So much anxiety if I would have just went to him in the first place. Now, it can be something big. It can be something small like I had. I mean, I consider that something small compared to, God, our house is like in shambles. What do we do? How do we get out of this tough situation? We need a place to live. I think that's a little bit tougher. I wasn't there yet. 
But when you face a problem, do you run to God or do you try to fix it without him? Thinking that you're going to have things work out if you just take care of it yourself. Fixing it without him, guys, it just doesn't work. (laughs) It's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. It's a waste of energy. There's other stories I have of instead of going to God, wait till afterwards. Wait till afterwards. (laughs) There's other things in my life that I've gone to and tried to get the answer. And it was just, I wish so much that I would have just done what I knew to do right away instead of be stubborn and waste my time. Wait till afterwards. Trying to fix things without him until you really need him never works because here's the honest truth. You always need him. You always need the Lord. You can't, I've heard from some people, well, you know, I'll try to, try to handle it myself until it just, I really don't get anywhere. And then, and then I'll go to God when I really, really need his help. We always need his help. That's the honest truth. We need his help at all times. For me, I wasted so much time and endured so much stress and disappointment that was totally avoidable. Now, wouldn't you guys want to avoid having more stress in your life? Wouldn't you want to avoid having more frustration and sorrow and difficulty? Well, I got the answer. Go to Jesus. <laughs> He's the real refuge. In the next verses, I'm going to do 5 through 8 here. It talks about a life of someone who has God as their refuge. This is what it looks like. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. That, that, that's the terminology to say, you're the one that sustains me. You're the one that keeps me alive. Portion and cup, it's this idea of food, sustenance that you need to live every single day. The Lord says to pray for our daily bread to come from the Lord, knowing that he's the one that provides it. But it keeps going. It says, you make my lot secure. You make things work out. I don't care where the dice land. You make it land where it needs to be, and I can trust you that it's good. Next one. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Everyone say pleasant places. Where you reside is exactly where you need to be. And then it says, surely I have a delightful inheritance. Everyone say delightful. Delightful inheritance. This, this idea of what's coming down the road is good for you. It is delightful. It is pleasing. It is pleasant. You're not going to be disappointed in it. I've heard from people say, well, I just, I just don't want Jesus to come back. Because, I, I, at least not yet. Because I've got so many things that... I just really am looking forward to. You're not looking forward to heaven? (laughs) It's this idea of, you really think what he's going to give you is going to be worse than what he could give you here? (laughs) No, it's going to be like a bajillion times better. Whatever he has for you in the next life is so much better than what this life has for you. And in fact, Paul even says in scripture that whatever 
sufferings I have here, not even the good stuff, whatever sufferings I have, I know are not in any way comparable to how good the good is going to be. The bad that I endure here is not nearly as bad as the good is going to (laughs) be. The good is so great, the sufferings I deal with are not even comparable to say it's not going to be worth it. Whatever you're going through here is going to be worth it no matter what because his delightful inheritance for you is so good. What he has for you is a delight. You don't have to fear the future. You don't have to fear what's down the road, even in this life. David himself knew this. He went through some great, great suffering. His father-in-law tried to kill him on more than one occasion. It was rough what he had to deal with. But he knew God was going to work all things out. Let's keep reading. Round your lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. It says, I will praise the Lord. Say, I will praise the Lord. Who counsels me even at night, my heart instructs me. My heart instructs me. This is what this means. The word there for night, it can just be replaced with darkness. It's this idea of even in darkness, even when it's dark, even when things look bleak, my heart instructs me. God, as my counselor, instructs me because he speaks through the heart. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. He's the one that's giving counsel to your heart to get you through the night, to get you through the hard times, to get you through the darkness. It's the same idea I was sharing with you guys, that he is a light unto my path, his word. He is able to counsel me through any darkness. Don't go to your blind friends when you're in the dark. Go to the one who's the light. He's going to guide you and lead you through it. Yes. Oh, wait till that. All right, next one. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. How many of you guys want to be able to go through hardships that don't shake you? Have you guys met somebody like that? It seems like any difficulty and hardship they go through, they're just like grounded. They're like, nah, yeah, sure, my house burned down, but not going to stop me. Krista, yeah. (laughs) The difficulties that you have to go through, you want to know how you can get through them and have it not destroy you, not break you entirely? (laughs) Having him as your refuge. You cannot have him not as your refuge and he's at your right hand. It doesn't work. If you're not having him as your refuge, he's not really there standing beside you. Because you've put yourself, it's like the prodigal son. You're like, why don't you have any favor? Why aren't things working out for you? Why does it seem that everything's falling apart? Because you're not in the security and safety of the refuge of your father. It's this imagery that we're supposed to get from it, that security and safety is found in refuge in God. Keeping your eyes on the Lord. That's what's going to keep you there. That's what's going to get you through the, the challenges. And you're not going to be shaken if you get next to the person who's unshakable. You cannot have God at your right hand 
and not have him as your refuge. When you're secure inside him, you won't be shaking. Verse 9 and 10, we'll do this last part here. It says, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. It's not just a state of mind that you get. It's actually, he brings life to your, your own physical body. <laughs> because you're not stressed out so much. <laughs> That's one way. Next verse, Josh. It says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Brings wholeness to us. Your heart gets brought joy as a result of it. Because you make him your refuge. There is just something about it. When you come to faith in him, when you make him your solid foundation and refuge, it, it's just it just comes out of you. <laughs> you find yourself praising God and you're like, I don't know why, but the way I talk now is totally different. <laughs> the words that come out of my mouth are actually enjoyable now. It's strange. <laughs> I've met people that had never known Christ, and then for the first time ever, they come to faith in him. It, it, it's, it really does bring a picture of a new creation. It's like, wow, this person is not the same anymore. Something's changed. And when you put God as your refuge, it does that for you. It brings this pleasantness to your life that you just want to praise him and tell people about it. You end up talking differently. Your heart is full of joy when it never was before. Let's go to the next verse, the last one here. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. How many of you want that? Sounds great, right? Let's stand up. Somebody's alarm's going off. <laughs> John Kinzel. <laughs> so it says here, I got this last two verses that's found in Psalm 73. I'm just going to read it to you guys and pray over you. It says, Psalm 73, verse 27 and 28. This, this chapter specifically, this is the psalm that was written by a man who watched seemingly wicked people do fine and people that were, in his eyes, righteous and good, suffer. He's like, this is messed up. Why is this happening, God? Shouldn't it be backwards the other way? This seems backwards right now. And he's watching all this happen, and he's like, I thought you were our refuge. And then he remembered, oh wait, you are my refuge. You're not theirs, this is not going to be good for them. <laughs> and this is what he says at the end of this, is, you make known to me the path of life. I don't have to worry, because you've shown me the path of life. And I know there's no good thing outside of you. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 73, 27 and 28. I think this is, this is the different one. It says, those who are far from you will perish. It says, I don't want to be far from you because I know it's not going to be good. It's not the place for me. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. That's the end result. 
The world would tell you otherwise. Nah, don't worry about it. We just die and just, we're gone. Nothing happens. There's nothing after this, whether you're good or bad. Well, Solomon thought so too. and Well, he didn't think so. He, he tested it. He realized living for God is really the only thing that brings you true purpose. Yeah. This says, but as for me, it is good. Everyone say, it is good. It's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, I'm going to pray. Lord, we make you our Lord. We trust in you as our Lord, that you are Lord. Apart from you, we have no good thing. Apart from you is no good. There's no goodness found outside of you. And God, we, we lean and rely and depend on you. We trust in you for our answer with whatever problem we're facing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, leaders, come on up here.